Hi, everyone. Welcome to culturalfront.ua. My name is Isabel, and I'm representing the UBC-USU today. I'm joined by Dr. Elena Morozova from Karizin Kharkiv National University. Um, recently, she joined the UBC Department of Sinez as a professor of Ukrainian studies, and she's been teaching lots of courses focused on contextualizing the full-scale invasion of Ukraine in a psychological, linguistic, and other humanity-related frameworks. Welcome, Dr. Morozova. Hello, Isabel. Thank you ever so much for the introduction. Uh, hello, everybody. I am happy to be here, and uh, I'm open to any questions you have got to ask and to learn about Ukraine. Uh, thank you so much for coming out and sitting down with me today, Elena. Um, to start off, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you were brought on to UBC and the SNES department. Oh, that's a longish story, I should say, but I'll be brief. Uh, so SNES, um, which is the department I'm currently uh, affiliated with, um, started uh, a very interesting series of lectures on Ukraine uh, soon after the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And uh, being an active person by nature, I wanted to participate in that, and I read a lecture there uh, trying to tell everything I know uh, about you know, how the war proceeded and many other uh, different things. And after that, um, I received an unexpected call on the part of Professor David Kremlin, and he said, why don't you apply to um, UBC, which I did. After that, there was that long process of interviewing and things like that, you know, and uh, to confess till the very last moment, I didn't believe uh, that it will come true, you know, because uh, because of many things. I just sat there in a little village because I had to flee Kharkiv uh, in, from because it was bombed and shelled very, very intensely. And I was sitting there um, on in that little village uh, near a beautiful lake and could never believe that I will make it here to Vancouver, to Canada, where I have never been. So this is just the beginning of the exciting journey. UBC is certainly lucky to have you this year, Elena. Um, I know from being in one of your classes last semester that you had to miss the first week of classes due to some issues. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how the process of coming to Canada at the beginning of the school year was. Oh, Isabel, thank you for asking this question, because that is uh, quite an interesting story. The thing is that uh, I came here um, by the quiet uh, visa, and uh, uh, I naively believed that two or three months would be enough to get it. But as it came closer, I applied at the beginning of June, yeah. Uh, as it came closer and closer to the academic year, to the beginning of the year, I became worried, and so did uh, Professor David Gramling, who is head of CINES department. And when he realized that I'm not going to make it on time to, uh, for the to the beginning of the classes, he uh, applied to an MP of to the MP's office, 
And they, as he put it, escalated me on the long, long line of those applying for the visa. And I got it. But uh, honestly, I had the so-called foil-less visa, which uh, is not the one attached to the passport, but uh, you get it in the electronic format only. And I had to travel. you know, uh, through a lot of countries. So I first went to Poland, from Poland to Germany, because the flights with a foil-less visa to Vancouver are only from Germany. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but finally, I made it here on the 9th of September, and on the 12th of September was already my class with you, Isabel. I bet that's been pretty stressful. I mean, not having a chance to get settled before you've had to start teaching classes. Um, Have you been able to kind of go around Vancouver and experience what it's like living here? Oh, definitely not. You know, it was just deep immersion from the very start. And my biggest Uh, concern here was not so much about living because my colleagues actually are very hospitable and I was uh, adopted, I should say, by one of my colleagues, Dr. Veda Chitnev, and I stayed at her place for almost 10 days, you know, no problem. And they took me everywhere, not sightseeing, not doing, you know, just uh, some Vancouver sites, but um to get the CIN, to get a bank account, to uh, get a, a telephone, Canadian telephone number, and quite a lot of other little things, multitudes of them, that had to be attended to. But uh, naturally, my biggest concern was my classes, because I didn't know at all what Canadian students are like. I just knew that they are multinational team, and they come from all kinds of backgrounds. And when I saw the list of your group, Isabel, you know, and started reading the names, I thought, oh, but I don't know much about this culture and that culture, whatever. When I came to class, I saw young faces, the eyes that were looking at me with interest, There was no hostility there, no alienation, friendliness, I should say. Uh, But people were not very much willing to talk. You know, there was some kind of barrier which I tried to overcome, but it took me a while, you know, just to um, come to understand what my new students are like. And there was another big problem. You know, it was the after covid period, and some of my students were wearing masks, and me getting adjusted to new accents through the masks they wore, that was quite a challenge, I should confess. But, uh, Isabel, I did tell you about that uh, before. The thing is that uh, a colleague of mine advised a very good, uh, gave me an excellent piece of advice. Uh, She said, if you don't quite understand, you should say, oh, that's a very interesting question. Could you please expand on it? And while the students started expanding, I got the gist of the question. I'm glad everything worked out. I know since you 
got here right as school was happening. I'm sure you definitely had to get into work mode right away. Were you able to go around Vancouver and see the city at all? Oh, Isabel, you know, when one comes to another country, um, there are other priorities than doing the sites. And uh, I had to attend to getting the SIN number, um, a bank account, uh, telephone number, and quite a lot of other things to apply for a lot of documents here. And <clears throat> that is a big challenge. That is the biggest challenge. No, the answer would be no, I haven't done any sites. Uh, that must have been really hectic, I'm sure, since you got here right as classes were already in session, that you haven't had much time to explore Vancouver. How has the overall experience been so far? Positive, Isabel. Uh, Vancouver is a lovely city. And um, as I told you, I arrived here on the 9th, which was a Saturday, as far as I can remember. And uh, my colleagues took me uh, to the beach. You know, it was pretty cold already. No swimming, no bathing. But the view of Vancouver was gorgeous, and we have taken some pics. And uh, I sent the photos to my people at home, and they said, isn't that a paradise? So it looked very, very different from where I come from, with that beautiful ocean and with mountains and uh, with a beautiful downtown. Uh, but exotic, I should say. Not very welcoming. Welcoming were the people, not the city. Yeah, I haven't moved from another country, but I know coming from another province. Oh, I definitely, how is it like? I, I definitely found the city to not be super welcoming, but mm -hmm. I found UBC itself to be pretty welcoming. Um, I also know there's not a lot of Ukrainian culture in the city in terms of like restaurants and attractions and that kind of stuff. Have you been able to find a Ukrainian community while you've lived here? Um, you mean the Ukrainian community? I've got come to know all you, Isabel, and uh, Ukrainian students um, uh, here. Uh, Raman and Anna. Anna is right now in one of my classes. Um, but the thing is that you did mention Ukrainian restaurants. I have not been there at all. Uh, but I cook here, and I have cooked Ukrainian borscht and treated my students to it. Um, I don't know if you were there on the day. It was what, at one of the uh, Slavic tea parties. Uh, and the thing is that uh, there at um, Department of Central, Eastern, and Northern European Studies, which is called CINES, in an abbreviated form. We have a tradition of sharing food. And, um, you know, sometimes you have something of uh, Russian cuisine, sometimes it is Ukrainian, <clears throat> and sometimes Indian. So this is some kind of cultural experience that we have here as well. How have you found teaching here compared to Ukraine? Are there big differences between the style of teaching or how the students act in class? Oh, thank you for the question, Isabel. Uh, I can say that uh, to my great surprise, students have turned out to be 
pretty much like they are in Ukraine. You know, they're young, they have a good sense of humor, they enjoy their studies, they enjoy being here uh, at UBC in a similar way as they do enjoy Ukraine and Ukrainian context and Ukrainian students' years. But there are also big differences, to confess. Uh, you know, uh, here students uh, are in much closer contact with the teacher than they are in Ukraine, and that is due to Canvas, because we have a different learning platform in operations there in Ukraine, in Kharkiv, where I come from. We have Moodle, and uh, it doesn't provide uh, such uh, an opportunity for a very close contact, for uh, getting emails uh, daily, dozens of them from students. This is something that is different. Yeah, no, when I um, came here, because I had been at UVic originally, I was also surprised by mm -hmm. the amount of technology UBC uses. Like, I've been in classrooms where they'll film uh, recordings for Zoom and that, and they have these high-tech cameras that follow who's talking in the classroom. And I, I've also just been blown away by how much technology UBC has um, oh, but uh, do you remember the presentations that students made uh, in that class, The Time for Anger? Yes, Which I yeah. thought, you know, their presentations have been, some of them were really great. And uh, it was then that I thought maybe it might be a very good idea to have a student-taught class. Mm. Because ours, mm, uh, that on uh, anger, The Time for Anger, is a so-called transdisciplinary class. We had a bit of psychology, a bit of sociology, a bit of arts, quite a bit of arts, I should say. And then we went into politics and the international relations and so on. Uh, so I believe that uh, actually that might be a good idea to have such transdisciplinary classes on the student-taught basis, and each is going to choose whatever is more interesting to one. Yeah, um, I haven't mm -hmm. heard of any classes like that here, but I know my boyfriend who goes to another university, um, he was in a class a couple of years ago where he had a that kind of a system in place so every student taught classes yeah, yeah. um mm -hmm. this the professor at the beginning of the semester gave them dates where they'd present on this certain topic i think it was some sort of history class um and yeah they each person would present on a certain topic that they found most interesting in relation to the subject and he said it was pretty interesting and he really enjoyed it Yes, as a matter of fact, changing your role with students is always exciting. This is something that I might like to be doing next year. I don't know. Well, we'll have to see to the administrative uh, side of the whole thing. Yeah, before we get into what you're planning on doing next year, did you want to tell our listeners a little bit about each course that you're teaching this year? Oh, thank you for the question. Please don't take it as PR or something of my courses. <laughs> I'm just very excited about what I'm teaching and uh, would love to share that with you. So um, 
the academic year started with the course you attended, which is A Time for Anger, and I have already characterized it a bit. Also, I teach another course, which uh, surprisingly to me, surprisingly to me, uh, have not attracted uh, very many students. There were just um, a dozen of them there. And it is the eco-linguistics course. Mm. Uh, actually, Mm, I might uh, modify it a bit next year and make it not ecolinguistics in the narrow sense, but ecological humanities involving the uh, all kinds of, um, uh, you know, other humanitarian disciplines which border on linguistics. Okay, uh, that is something that I used to read in Kharkiv as well. This term, I'm coming closer to um, the way I see myself here, you know, because uh, I teach uh, courses with um, a bigger Ukrainian component, so to say. One of them is strategic nar narratives um, in the post-Soviet Ukraine. And uh, in dealing with these, uh, it is also a transdisciplinary course, uh, and it deals not so much with linguistics as with narratology and uh, political sciences and uh, film studies, I should say, mm. and literature as well. And uh, uh, an interesting characteristic of, the, of this course would be that there are no textbooks or even not... Uh, many books on that, and we have to analyze whatever is being produced within two years by, uh, let's say, uh, Ukrainian uh, cinematography, these are mostly documentaries, and Ukrainian um, singers and Ukrainian poets and Ukrainian writers. Uh, and uh, I'm so much excited and so much grateful to my students at uh, their sincere interest to all these things, uh, at their understanding and their desire to know more about Ukraine and about its struggle for independence, for sovereignty, and uh, for all the human values that we have, we Ukrainians have. Oh, it's, okay. it's, it's great yeah. to hear that mm -hmm. uh, so many students are interested in learning more about Ukraine at UBC. Um, yes, 33 is an impressive number by my standards. Yeah, no, that, that's <laughs> awesome to hear. Um, in terms of like, I, I know in my class we talked a lot about the invasion. Um, how have you found s students respond to the content in relation to the invasion of Ukraine? Um you know, to me, it's not the easiest topic to teach, you know, because uh, as all Ukrainians who have been in the war zone, uh, well, we are kind of traumatized. And um, my students are extremely empathetic uh, to that side of it. Um, but um, also... You know, what, what is important to me, very important, that uh, when coming here, I was told that students don't know a first thing about Ukraine. Oh, yes, they do. 
and they know quite a lot, and they are following the news, and they are asking me so deep uh, and intelligent questions that I really have to read up quite a lot myself in order to keep up to the standard of a Ukrainian professor capable of telling students here what is happening in my country there. So I should say that uh, my students are very motivated, very much interested in Ukrainian, not even culture, not even history, but whatever is happening in Ukraine right now to the processes which are under formation right now. And moreover, they are not against uh, picking up some Ukrainian words and phrases from me. And it is my biggest desire and my big ambition to be able to teach some Ukrainian language here because I'm a linguist by education, by my background. So this is what I would definitely love to teach here. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, I, I know from when I was in your class, I really enjoyed doing the mini oh, language lessons bits. that we did. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. I mean, um, for our listeners, I grew up in a family where we had kind of lost our ability to speak Ukrainian. Um, My grandfather knew a little bit, but it wasn't enough to be able to pass down to me and my mom. So being able to pick up that small amount just from our classes together meant a lot to me. Um, And I know there are definitely a lot of students on campus who would really appreciate being able to learn Ukrainian in some class or even an extracurricular activity. Oh, Isabel, you cannot even imagine how important that is for me. Thank you ever so much for saying that. And uh, let's do it together. I know that uh, Ukrainian uh, students of Ukrainian origin, heritage, heritage students, and also those who have come recently are very much for just having some Ukrainian classes. The one thing I can say that I've already bought lots and lots of books for from the professional development funds here, Ukrainian textbooks, and uh, my husband shipped me some already. So we are all set. We can start this process. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great because, to be honest, I've just been using Duolingo and oh. I'm really bad at staying up to date with my streak. So... Mm-hmm. I, I know the alphabet. I know a couple of words, but there's definitely a lot more that I need to do. Okay. It would be my great pleasure to to do that next year. Okay. Great. Let's make it a, our nearest plans. Oh, speaking of Ukrainian language lessons, do you think you could share with our listeners a little language lesson right now? Right now. Okay. Um uh, Let's say together. Good, Isabel. Okay. Dobry den. Dobry den. Dobry den. Dobry den. Jak sprave? Jak sprave? Dobre, dziakuju. Dobre, dziakuju. 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 Um, we have uh, those soft sounds. It is not dziakuju, but dziakuju. Dziakuju. You can say spasibi if you want to, but it will sound a bit uh, Russianized, I mm. should say. So, diaku is going to be my version of okay. it. Uh, something important as well. Uh, do pobacenia. 
До побачення. До побачення means see you later. Bye-bye. Okay. So, this is it. Let's get more next time, right? Sounds good. Mm -hmm. um, going back to the questions, um, could you tell us a little bit about what your hopes are for your time at UBC? Oh, um, um, yeah, that's a good question. So um, I uh, actually don't plan to stay here for more than uh, three years mm. because um, I'm here uh, as uh, an assistant professor without review. But within three years, my plans are quite impressive, so to say. Um, in the first place, I would like to make this Slavic program more, uh, you know, the, the, to help it grow somehow, because currently uh, the Slavic program is represented mostly by the Russian program, uh, which is good in itself, because if there is an interest of students to the Russian language, why not to cater to this interest? But I believe that um, Ukrainian, uh, which is close to Russian, is no less interesting, but is definitely more promising. Why? Because uh, Ukrainian culture and the interest to Ukraine, to Ukraine, to Ukrainian culture, Ukrainian values, and uh, the Ukrainian language is definitely uh, on the rise right now. And we should use this in order to introduce every part of Ukrainian country of Ukrainian culture uh, into the curriculum. Also, um, Russian uh, in Russia is not representative of the Slavic countries as such. And maybe by uh, extending the portion of other cultures, such as Polish, uh, Croatian, which is the nearest uh, plan at the CINES department, Mm, we are going to somehow restore the balance among different Slavic cultures. I believe uh, this is the biggest plan. But as I've already mentioned to you, my biggest ambition would be to teach some Ukrainian to my students. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. I, I know from my personal experience, I've always wanted to take more Slavic-related classes because... I, like after my grandfather passed away, I found it kind of hard to stay mm -hmm. in touch with my Ukrainian heritage. So being able to take more classes like that is fantastic. And especially with the um, invasion of Ukraine, I've definitely found it more motivation to take classes like that. And I know a lot of other people from the Ukrainian diaspora also feel the same way. Um, yeah. Yes, Isabel, you know, that is a very interesting point that you are making. So war is evil as such. It is great pain to the people involved uh, into war, but uh, it has some marginal benefits as well. So I believe that um, the upsurge in, uh, in the interest towards Ukraine and Ukrainians uh, is one of the things. And uh, you know what? In our previous conversation, uh, I did mention that. Do you know that uh, currently 
the question of LGBT uh, community actually comes uh, to the forefront and last week uh, there was uh, it was it is not a law only it is a proposal submitted to the parliament of ukraine uh, that uh, um, uh, you know, single or uh, the marriages between, you know, gay people and representatives of uh, lesbians uh, are to be legalized because, uh, you know, that was a big problem during the war that, uh, let's say, a partner cannot uh, go to the hospital and to see somebody uh, in the ward unless they are legally married. And if somebody gets killed in the war because quite a lot of LGBT people serve there in the army currently. And if somebody gets killed, then the other doesn't have any right to inherit, uh, let's say, the apartment or some property left. So these are sad things, and they are painful to discuss. But I believe that uh, it is the war that has actually shown that time is ripe for Ukraine to adopt such legal, uh, to pass such laws. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us that mini language lesson, Olena. Um, I was wondering if you could share with us um, your hopes for what you're going to accomplish while you're at UBC. Oh, uh, Isabel, that's an interesting question. Uh, I can say that uh, my ambitions are limited with a three-year term. I'm here uh, on a contract without review. Uh, but um, I would like to leave uh, here uh, some tangible traces that I've been here that, uh, of what I have been doing. And uh, in particular, uh, they are, uh, my plans deal uh, with making the Slavic program here at uh, the Department of Central, Eastern, and Northern European Studies stronger than it is now. Currently, it is mostly centered around uh, Russian program, which is strong, which is well-developed. But, you know, Russia is not the whole uh, of Slavic countries. And we should uh, introduce or mm, maybe uh, bring back, because there used to be a strong Polish program here with Polish language taught right now. It is my understanding that uh, it is not... Um, practiced any longer. But uh, we could introduce not only the Polish language, but the Ukrainian language as well. And also, it is my understanding that uh, a Croatian lecturer will be coming here mm. next year in order to teach Croatian and tell Croatian culture. So like this, we are going to restore the balance of Slavic languages and Slavic cultures within uh, the Department of Central, Eastern, and Northern European Studies. And um, I can say that the interest uh, that people all over the world feel towards uh, Ukraine and uh, their desire to learn more about it, to pick up more of its language and culture and uh, customs and traditions, uh, is one of the... Um, positive side effects of the war, because we know that war is uh, 
very evil and it is not a natural state for civilized uh, peoples but there are some positive sides to it as well and here i cannot but mention uh another positive little step that uh, ukraine has had in the direction of uh, legalizing um, same-sex uh, partnerships you know because uh, in the war LGBT people or LGBT community is represented uh, in the army. And uh, you know that in war, all things happen. A person can be wounded, a person can be killed. And it is very important that a partner um, will have the right to enter the hospital ward, uh, to um, even to inherit some of the property that the killed person had. So this is something, a very sad side effect, but uh, encouraging at the same time. I don't know. I, I'm really happy to hear that there might be some more Slavic studies classes coming to UBC. I know from my personal experience, I've always been trying to find more Eastern European related courses to take, especially since my granddad passed away, I've been wanting to connect a little bit more with my Ukrainian side of my family. And especially with Russia's war against Ukraine, I've really been trying to connect more with my Ukrainian heritage. And I know with um, the Slavic studies courses, last year I took one on, I think it was Eastern European cinema. And pretty much everybody in the class was from all different parts of Eastern Europe. There were lots of Polish people. There were a lot of people from Croatia and like Balkan states. So I, I know there's definitely a population within UBC that would love to take more classes related to their own heritage. Yes, Isabel, uh, I would like to mention something else. You know that currently uh, my colleagues and me, we submitted three course proposals which all deal with Slavic cultures and with Ukraine. Uh, one of them is a pretty general introductory uh, class of the first level uh, that um, Dasha Prihodka uh, is developing, and it is about uh, Slavic um, cultures mostly. Veta Chitnev, Dr. Veta Chitnev, is submitting the proposal on um, introduction to Slavic languages, and it will be built according to a very interesting model. We are going to consider there uh, similar things um, uh, which are similar to all Slavic languages. For example, all of them use Cyrillics, and there are quite a lot of words which come from the same origin and are slightly modified, uh, some general cognitive, cognitive linguistic aspects. And then this introductory theory will be um, exemplified uh, um, you know, taking Ukraine, the Ukrainian language uh, as uh, a model, so to say. And uh, I personally can see very good prospects for this course in the future, because even um, hopefully when the war is over, the interest is uh, will remain, but it might not be so great as now. 
then Ukrainian can be substituted with some other language, but the basis will remain. You know, the basics of Ukrainian language are uh, inbuilt into this course. And also, um, I have prepared uh, a course proposal on uh, wars and peace in Slavic cultures. And naturally, uh, the component uh, or the module uh, dealing with the current war, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, will be represented there in all its complexity and uh, hopefully um, be all impressive. So development of new courses uh, and uh, getting them through the all the complex procedure of approval of the courses through the department uh, curriculum committee, through the uh, faculty of arts curriculum committee, and finally through the Senate is a long process and very effort-consuming, but I believe that it is worth doing. This is something that we're doing right now. Oh, it's it's mm -hmm. really great to hear. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will definitely be keeping an eye out for those courses when they do come out. Um, to finish off, could you tell us a little bit about any other projects that you're working on? I know from our personal conversations that we have that you've told me about a project that you're doing um, with some interviews. Yes, Isabel, thank you for thinking of that. Uh, the thing is that uh, I have spoken mostly about the teaching part of my work here. But there is also what is called community service. And uh, at the very beginning, that was back in September, uh, I was approached by uh, a Ukrainian uh, heritage student, Yulia Badaeva, who suggested to think of a project, and it is a community and research pro project at the same time. And uh, the main participants of it uh, is the non-governmental organization Maple Hope and um, the Department of Central Eastern and Northern European Studies, CINES, where I work. And we have uh, made a proposal, and it was quite a lot of work. You know, it is a big thing that should be approved, not only the research part of it, but also the ethics committee. Um, it is quite a long procedure, I should say. but. The project that we suggested uh, deals with uh, stories of Ukrainian women who come to Vancouver uh, under the uh, QUIET program. And QUIET, uh, as you might remember, uh, means uh, Canada-Ukraine authorizations uh, uh, travel or something like that. I'm sorry uh, if I'm getting it not quite right. But that is the gist of it. Um, the main idea of the project is to facilitate somehow the process of Ukrainian women accommodation to living here in Vancouver because the change from my own experience is very, very great and uh, it is not that easy to cope with it. But also uh, it will have uh, a very tangible uh, research result because analyzing those stories, they are all of them are going to be anonymous and it is not something that uh, we are going to 
um, break the ethics uh, norms of it. Um, we're going to analyze those stories using the narrative analysis techniques and narrative analysis um, methods and approaches there. And in the long run, we shall come up with some tangible research results as well. Okay, so this is what we have been doing, community and university engagement project. Yeah, that, that's great to hear. I, I know getting the stories out there of Ukrainian women and Ukrainians in general who have been dealing with the ramifications of the invasion is really important. So I'm glad that that work's being done. Yes, Isabel, I thought you would ask, and why women and not men? Uh, will answer my own question myself. <laughs> uh, the thing is that uh, currently men are not allowed to leave Ukraine under the martial law, and most of the people coming here to Vancouver, and uh, it is a very great number, I should say. Uh, it is just women and children. Our focus is women. Yeah, I know with everything that's going on, it's only a small percentage of men that can leave the country for long periods of time, um, especially with certain circumstances. So hearing from these women who not only are struggling with the trauma of war, but also being separated from their husbands and other male family members is really important. Yeah, that's true. You know, and mentioning those uh, special circumstances, Maybe it is just men who had three children under 18, or uh, what else can you think of? Maybe uh, those who go abroad with the purpose of fundraising for Ukraine, you know, such as uh, singers and, uh, you know, just some. Yeah, yeah, I know um, Kalush came to, I think they came to Vancouver. I know for a fact that they came to Calgary, though. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yes, and Boombox came mm -hmm. to Vancouver. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I that's think right. that's uh, all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Elena, for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, Isabel, it was my great pleasure, and I, I would like to do it again, okay, in a short while when I have more interesting things to share with the listeners. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely bring you back when we have updates on your classes and also your oh, research good. project. Looking forward to that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.